Hi, folks. Welcome. Thanks for joining us on The Cream of the Crop, a podcast dedicated to agriculture. We talk to top leaders, share top ideas, and discuss top trends and products. We get to the heart of ag and put the issues on the table. Hi, folks, and welcome. This is Justin Machel, co-host, along with Steve Maxwell, CEO of Highland Ag Solutions, and Susie Friedland, our producer. Uh, we got a great show lined up today, folks. You know, in this time of this pandemic, people around the world, especially Americans, take our food supply for granted. They go shopping at their convenience. Most of the time, the items they're looking for are available for purchase. Sometimes it takes times like these where the food they were looking for is not available for people to pause and consider the food distribution system. You know, where does our food come from? How do grocery stores always have it available? Simple question, but requires a rather complex answer. And that's why we have JC. He's the chief operating officer at Wish Farms. And Wish Farms is a global marketer of fresh berries. And thanks for joining us and uh, welcome to the show, JC. Thanks, Justin. To get started, you briefly share, you know, the history of Wish Farms and, and your journey with the company. Yeah, we're a family-owned business. We've been around since 1922. Gary Wisnaski owns the business. He's third-generation owner, and uh, we have the fourth generation working in the business today and have the fifth generation on the ground, as I like to call it. Long-standing family business. We're largely in the uh, in the berry business. We're your uh, local handler of produce items. For many years, it was berries, vegetables, anything that was grown in and around the Plant City, Central Florida area. We've kind of transitioned over the years into just a year-round berry marketer and grower. And that's what we do today. We're not really in the vegetable business that much anymore and focus on all berries, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries. Uh, We supply the East Coast of the United States predominantly. Uh, We do a little bit of West Coast business, but 95% of our business is done on the East Coast of the United States and Canada. And we supply berries to retailers and customers that you would know as the names of Publix, Costco, Kroger, Walmarts, and many more. That's fantastic. So it's almost a hundred year business. I mean, what a rich history. You guys got your start from up in New York, I believe, as a push cart peddler selling produce and got your roots there in in Plant City. You represented the local growers and like you said, fruits and vegetables, but you guys made that transition. You mentioned transitioning from vegetables over to berries. Can you tell us what went into that thought process? Uh, You know, what was behind that decision? Yeah. So the the factors around that decision were in the distribution of of produce is become more specialized over the years. So we used to be maybe specialized in the, in the growing region. And so we handled peppers, tomatoes, squash, eggplant, uh, melon, and berries, anything grown in the central Florida area. And we distributed that to, you know, retailers and wholesalers around the Eastern part of the country. As we uh, started thinking about our business and where we were really excelled at or where we did well at, we thought in the seasonal business, you know, we have to think about transitioning. So we're out of, out of strawberries and maybe we wouldn't talk to the strawberry buyer for maybe six months or eight months. And then we'd have to reintroduce ourselves again when our season came back around. And so rather than stay along that model, we said, you know what, we need to get year round and berries. We really focus well in that category and let's focus all our energy there. So. Rather than reintroduce ourselves to that buyer, now we've made an emphasis to let's go make sure we have a supply of all four berries 52 weeks out of the year. You know, we're talking to those buyers three, four times a day, making sure they're in stock. 
Well, that's key. The produce business is a relational business, right? You do have your your brokers and wholesalers, but really those retail relationships, that's what that's what drives the business forward. Well, let's talk about uh, some of your customers. You mentioned that you sell a lot of retailers that many consumers know, those brands across the country. Do you also sell to food service? I think that's been a hot topic here of late. You see on Facebook and Instagram, a lot of farmers that are struggling today uh, because the food service business has dried up. Uh, and that in our mind, I guess, is, you know, restaurants, you know, different takeout and school and anything that's in that food service industry. Do you guys sell to any food service companies? And uh, can you tell our listeners the difference really between a retail relationship and food service relationship? We don't sell a lot of food service and, and berries predominantly are sold in retail. In the berry business, um, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I would say 80 to 90 percent of, of berries are sold through retail distribution and the other 10 to 20 percent are sold through food service. So, you know, the food service business is definitely down. I've been on a lot of, uh, of industry conference calls over the last couple of weeks. And the produce side of the food service business has been hurt worse than many of the other uh, food service categories because even when they do takeout, a lot of the restaurants are not providing vegetables or produce with the takeout meals. They're doing meat, potatoes, and those items. So it really has had a, a pretty profound impact. Um, on that side. But what I would say in times like these, one of the bigger impacts is shopping trends of consumers. What we're seeing is going into retailers, um, consumers are now going into shop maybe every seven to 10 days. Whereas on average, before this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, shoppers are going to the every two to three days. So say twice a week on average is what a, a consumer was going into the supermarket to buy. Well, berries in our case are a point of sale, typically kind of a spontaneous purchase for many berry buyers. So they're walking through the produce aisle, picking up their produce for the week, and they see berries on ad. Well, they figure out, well, I'm going to put some berries in my cart today. You know, I'm going to get blueberries or maybe strawberries this time or whatever it might be. And so because people are going to the store less frequently, we find that they are buying less fresh produce items in general. That's had a big impact on the demand for the berry category and the whole produce aisle, for that matter. Do you think that when things level out that that is going to change? Do you think the trends are going to be two to three times a week or people are going to be like, you know what, I think I will go less? No, I do think when the pandemic is over, I think people will return to their normal shopping habits. You know, a lot of people are cooking at home more than they ever have, right? Consumption of food in the home is definitely up. There's a lot of debate, I think, in how much more that will change permanently. But I do think people will continue to go back to the store more frequently after the pandemic's over. People are looking at their budgets too, right? I mean, you go out to eat, you're going to spend a lot of money. Um, and then you start going and buying at the grocery store, you're going you're gonna to level out that budget. In these times, I think people are going to be you know, more aware of that. And I think that'll have a, an impact on, on consumer trends going forward too, I would imagine. Don't you think? I definitely do. So JC, let's, let's rewind. You guys decide you're going to jump all in. You're going to build a berry category. Explain to our, our listeners, what do you have to do to become a year round supplier of fresh berries to your, to your retail customers? What's their requirements and what do you guys have to do to make sure you have berries on their shelves every week of the year? Yeah, great question. So it's different for each berry, right? So strawberries, for instance, you know, so what's that mean? So we take a leap of faith. We source berries, I say source, we grow and, uh, and represent independent growers. But we have berries grown in Florida and California. 
Um, there is a strawberry crop that's grown in, in Mexico as well that largely competes with Southern California and Florida. And we don't participate in that because we support our local farmers here in Florida and, um, and try to maximize the amount of fruit that we market from the U.S. But there is a crop grown there. And so it just meant that we had to reestablish ourselves in California to get berries year-round. Those Florida strawberries are grown from you know, November, call it Thanksgiving through Easter. Uh, most years and that that gets cut short a little bit recently but by and large we're thanksgiving to uh, april 1st or sometime around easter and uh and then we we go to california operations in california ramp up and supply the summer months that's not a terrible uh transition but it is going out and establishing yourself in another part of the world to make sure that you've got distribution right here into into our backyard and, and throughout the east and um and then in other commodities like uh like blueberries for instance Blueberry season is typically about eight weeks, no matter where it is in the world. So if we're in strawberries, it's about a you know, four to six month crop. Um, blueberries is an eight week crop. So it takes a lot of mobilization to transition through the season, including, you know, starting down in Florida in, in the spring. And we finish up north in, in Michigan and uh, in the Pacific Northwest in the fall. And then you got to flip the globe and go down to South America and do the same exact thing. So it took a lot more management on the supply side of our business to make sure that we have you know the right quality coming out of every region. You got to make sure food safety is in place um, in all these places, and that's a lot more difficult than having you know a hundred farmers right here surrounding your your infrastructure and your cooler. Now we got to go out and make sure that North and South America, all the farms have quality food safety. JC, this is Steve. Just uh, to follow up on that question for the listening consumer out there that's uh, listening to this for the first time. So when you are actually buying offshore, that's during the time of year when production, say, in blueberries is not here in the United States. So you're importing from, say, a South American country. There's a lot to that process. I mean, when you go buy blueberries during that time of year, tell us what all is involved for that blueberry package to get into that retail store when the listener here puts it in the buggy. What's involved during that time of year versus this time of year when it's domestically grown? Domestic season for blueberries is essentially starts in, say, middle of March, and we go till September. And that's a, what I would call a fairly easier process uh, than the other. But they're grown here in Florida, grown in Georgia, Michigan, uh, North Carolina, all those regions. And, you know, we hand harvest. The majority of the crop is hand harvested, um, so it requires a lot of labor. And uh, there is some mechanical options out there. Uh, the quality is not quite as good on the mechanical a lot of times, but uh, but you got to harvest that crop. And then we bring it into a packing house uh, that has you know a 50-degree cold storage facility. And uh, we, we transition that, that blueberry from a bulk container that it's harvested in, and we put it in a fill-by-way machine in most instances where uh, it's a packing machine that we're filling up all the clamshells. And then that clamshell gets put into a box, uh, palletized, and then we, we pre-cool that fruit down to 34 degrees to make sure we maximize shelf life. And then as we're selling the fruit, uh, hopefully we're selling that fruit the next day, um, sometimes same day, sometimes it's four or five days later, depending on how the market is. And then we, we're taking those orders, and, and there's two ways to do it. Either the customer arranges the truck, we arrange the truck. We do a lot of arranging the trucks ourselves to deliver that fruit to their distribution center. In our backyard, there's a distribution center, a public distribution center, let's say, 
day in Lakeland. So we would deliver that to their distribution center. And at that point, they take possession and ownership of that fruit. And then they're going to mix that on another truck with other refrigerated items. And then they're going to deliver that to their stores. And then once they deliver the stores, obviously it gets on the shelf. They throw the box away and it's just the clamshell on the shelf. How old are the berries by then? So typically, you know, from harvest to packing for us, it's a, it's a 24-hour period um, to get them from harvest to get them down packed and cold. And then getting to their stores uh, depends on where the crop is at the time domestically. But on average, you're probably, that fruit, I would say, is five days old when it reaches the store um, where the consumer can buy it. At times, it can be as probably as long as 10 um, here domestically. Before you get on import now, and what you, what you said earlier, if I understood it correctly, was you actually are chasing the crop, it sounds like. every You said every six to eight weeks, it's a different region? Correct. So you're chasing the crop, say it starts in Florida, and then eight weeks later you're in Georgia, eight weeks later you're Carolina, and you follow both coasts uh, with that crop during the uh, domestic growing season? Correct. Yeah, so you've got people, and in, in, uh, typically we're operating out of a minimum of two regions at one time, right? So we've got people, say, in Florida and Georgia at the same time, because you're packing in both of those locations. That's a lot to keep up with, right? You got packaging, you got people loading trucks into different customers out of different warehouses. It can be a lot to keep up with. But yeah, it's typically operating out of two regions, sometimes three. So then switch to imported product during the off season. Yeah, so then our complementary regions for the U.S. Uh, season, the complementary regions today are going to be Peru, Argentina, and Chile. I'll talk about mostly Peru and, and Chile because those are the more significant regions right now. But um, essentially, they go through a very similar process on the front end, right? They're hand harvesting, taking that fruit into a packing house. The fruit is typically getting packed. I will say we do bring some bulk fruit. Uh, up from those regions, which the only process that changes, they're not getting packed on site. They're just plastic bulk container that they pre-cool it right there in the in the uh, cold storage, and, and we ship it bulk and we pack it up here in our facility. But most of the fruit is packed at origin, so it's packed there uh, in in Chile or Peru. And then once it's packed, it's pre-cooled and it's then loaded onto an ocean container. And they use some controlled atmosphere systems to what we call put the the blueberries to sleep. Uh, Blueberry does have a lot longer shelf life than the other berries we deal with. And so they'll put it in that container. They they get inspected by the local authorities, the USDA equivalents, and then they ship it. And it ships by boat. Typically takes anywhere from uh, 11 to 15 days. Um, Sometimes there's delays and it'll be as long as 20 days for that boat to leave the port of origin and get to our destination here in in the U.S. I'm sorry, is that 20, 15 days on top of what you just described in the foreign country and then them putting it in bulk containers and getting to the ocean liner? By the time it arrives to our facility, it is typically 18 to 25 days old from harvest. That's about how long it takes to get here. And that fruit typically arrives into Miami or Philadelphia, I think probably 90% of the East Coast fruit, although they started bringing a lot of fruit in Savannah recently. But yeah, to answer your question then, Susie, talking about timelines, so that then arrives to us, it's 18 to 25 days old. Those boats arrive once a week, uh, which is kind of problematic for a perishable crop because all of our boats arrive on Monday. And so we are then distributing that fruit over the next seven to 10 days. Consumers are shopping all the time, so we can't just have a flood of blueberries come in on Tuesday to public. They need them every day. So we're distributing that fruit over the next seven to 10 days to make sure they're constantly in stock. And so uh, by the time the consumer gets it, the fruit uh, can be, gosh, probably 35 days old. Wow. Talk about supporting local, right? I mean, it is, it is nice to have that convenience of blueberries year round. 
but when you're out of season, it's definitely not as fresh, right? You mentioned that they they uh, they put the berries to sleep. Can you explain a little bit more about uh, how they do that, JC? Because a, a 35-day-old berry for consumer, they're, they could be looking at us cross-eyed right now going, really? <laughs> how is that done, and, and is it safe? Yeah, so it is. It's, uh, it's very safe. I will say the, the facilities I've been in around uh, Peru and Chile – are, are every bit as high as what we see and experience here in the U.S. We make sure all of our products reach the same level of uh, practices and food safety standards as we do here in the U.S. So consumers can rest assured about that. But yeah, the, the controlled atmosphere process, and I don't know the, the, all the science behind it, but it has something to do with pulling the air out and pumping CO2 in the container. And it's about the, the exposure to oxygen. I think they're, the way they're pulling the air out and, and putting those systems in there, just allow, it slows that ripening process for a, for a berry. So it's, it's nothing harmful. It just slows the ripening process down. So you try to prolong the taste. Yeah, you're prolonging the, the flavor and the taste uh, and really the firmness of the berry. You know, they, they start to get soft after a while. What makes the real difference on an import uh, berry versus, say, a, a Florida or Georgia berry is they cull out a lot more. They sort out a lot more coals out of their packing process over there because they know they have to ship the fruit and they know it has to last for 30 days. While we may, you know, harvest, uh, kind of goes into another topic, but while we may harvest you know, a hundred pounds and put into a clamshell, they may harvest a hundred pounds and put 60 pounds into a clamshell because the other 40% didn't make the grade to last 30 days. And where our fruit's only having to last maybe a week to 10 days. So there's a lot more rigorous process in sorting out that fruit. But I can say, I can honestly say I've eaten a 30 day old uh, blueberry out of Chile in the middle of January. And it was as good as a as a five-day-old blueberry eating out of somewhere in the southeast in May. Uh, it can be can be done, and it can be done well, but it's certainly a lot more stringent process. Well, it's certainly a more complex uh, process and something you have to, to have your pulse on, you know, the whole time. Tell us, what are just a couple of the biggest challenges of being a year-round berry supplier, both from the, the supply side and the demand side? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's about timing ads. I mean, so, um, and I think that's on anything, not just about being year-round, but we do have, a you know, one of the challenges is making sure quality stands up to our brand. Um, we do, you know, our brand is important to us, and we want it stands for quality. Uh, and, it, you know, we want consumers to trust that the fruit in our brand is good, and so that requires us to be, you know, a lot more on top of things, these different regions, as I was describing earlier. We get supply out of multiple different farms um, in di- multiple different growing regions. And so trying to maintain that quality through weather patterns uh, that maybe cause adverse conditions for, for quality. You know, that's that's one of the things that we put a lot of emphasis on is, is trying to maintain that quality through all the different weather patterns, all the different growing regions. And there's just, you know, a lot that goes into that and a lot that's out of our control. There's so much that's out of our control. We got to we kind of do the things really well that are in our control because we are subject to mother nature every day and um, she's in control. That's right. So you talked a little bit about food safety and the standards down in, in South America, very high. And you guys have your own standards that you require your growers to live up to. Has there been any kind of change in response to the coronavirus outbreak in the last few weeks or have your procedures been, you know, just the same or what, what's been your reaction from a food safety standpoint? Yeah, so from a food safety standpoint, uh, we I would say we haven't done a ton different on the food safety side. So the food safety standards are already a point where, I mean, sanitizing and people being sanitary around food products is, is already a must. I mean, you don't want to have any kind of contamination as it is, you know, with the salmonella outbreak, the leafy greens crops and the different things. So 
we learned from that. Fortunately, in the berry business, we've yet to um, have a real bad outbreak of anything, which we've been really fortunate on that standpoint. But in all of our crops right now, outside of the uh, blackberries and raspberries, which come out of Mexico, but everything's coming out of North America. We haven't had anything coming from South America at this time, at least that we're handling uh, in our supply sources. So haven't had a lot of change on that. What we have done, though, is we have a lot of people in the warehouse working. Back in blueberries here locally, you know, we, we've got about 120 people every day going into a warehouse that are packing blueberries. We do have some processed strawberries going on right now. And uh, and just moving pallets around, right? We've got a load truck. It's got our pre-cooled fruit. And so that's been our biggest concern is the people in our warehouses and then the people on our farms. We're, uh, we're picking strawberries today and our partner growers are picking blueberries. And our migrant communities, they live in very close proximity to one another. You know, they live in very tight quarters. And that's been our biggest concern is trying to make sure that our workforce stays healthy. So we have taken some steps there. We've uh, doubled our sanitization crews where we have more people now that are doing nothing but walking around and sanitizing door handles and twice as many people cleaning bathrooms and sanitizing break room areas, uh, trying to spread people out. Uh, we couldn't get masks, so we provide all of our workers with buffs, you know, to put over their faces so that they can be protecting one another by, by wearing those when they're when they're interacting with others or working in close proximity to one another. So we made that a requirement. Of course, got hand sanitizer and all those things around. So more of an emphasis on trying to keep our, our employees healthy. You know, the, the food safety process hasn't changed. That's held at a very high standard. And they've proven um, thus far, I think they've proven that the virus can't live on the surface of a berry. And I think of any produce, really. So food is safe from a viral standpoint. Our food safety folks tell me that the, the surface areas of, of fresh fruits are, uh, are too acidic for the virus to live on. And it's so important to convey that. I mean, you guys are doing a great job from the food safety side. It sounds like you're taking care of your people as, as much as you can to mitigate the spread of, uh, of the virus. And, and at the end of the day, the food is safe, right? And no matter where you're sourcing it from, your standards are, are high enough and, and you guys are taking all the right precautions to ensure a, a safe food supply. So, JC, wrapping this up, uh, we're, we're just about out of time here, but uh, what's on the horizon? What's next for uh, for Wish Farms? Are you guys uh, just focusing on the berry category or uh, do you guys have anything on the horizon? So now we're, we're focused on the berry category. We, uh, we did a brand refresh recently and we're trying to stay in front of consumer trends and, uh, stay fresh with them. Keep the quality good. Now, you know, we're, we're continuing to strengthen, uh, quality. We've done some investments in, in some proprietary varieties recently to try to make sure we've got quality the second to none in the industry that will continue to, to happen. One thing that's, uh, that's, We've built a new warehouse at our headquarters, so we're really excited about that. Uh, we've built a state-of-the-art facility uh, here, just actually just finished it in, in February, and uh, that should you know, help continue to enhance the quality of, uh, of the fruit that we're distributing and gives our employees you know, a, a great place to work atmosphere, so we're uh, excited about that. What's the treehouse? I see it off of I-4. What is that treehouse? <laughs> I've had a bunch of people ask. It's a treehouse. That's what it is. It's just just for fun. It's just or <laughs> yeah. So I don't have a good you know a good funny story or anything about the treehouse. Our business has been growing leaps and bounds uh, over the past let's say seven to ten years, and we've been so blessed uh, with the opportunity to serve farmers and customers. And through that, we've hired some great people, and we've exceeded our our office capacity, our warehouse capacity. We've been in our existing facility that uh, that we were at as of where we started building this warehouse. We've been there for the past 30 years, 35 years, I think. We were needing to have a new place to work, right? We went from a space that was built for 
12 or 13 people working in it. And the day we moved out of there and moved into our new facility, we had 35 people working in there. Really close-knit family, right? We all work on top of each other and with each other. But Gary came out with this vision, and he wanted to build a campus. Uh, that's what he wanted to call it. You know, it's our new headquarters campus. That's our new facility, new office. And in the middle of that design, um, you know, Gary said, I want a treehouse. Um, the property we have had you know, some very nice trees right off the interstate. And well, it's really, it's unique. So if anybody has a chance to drive by off of I-4, I see Misty on the front. So it's really cute. Yeah. A little plug. We had, we hired the treehouse guys to build the treehouse. So we know it's engineered correctly. So it's, it's engineered correctly. Uh, we, we hired them to come in and build it. It's going to connect to our office when it's finished. One day we were talking about it. He said, yeah, I never had a treehouse growing up. So we got a treehouse now and it's going to be a meet space for the employees. It's kind of a place to relax and, um, and hang out. But That's cool. The other cool thing we're going to have, uh, Susie, the trucks come by and see when the office is done. We're going to have a slide in the lobby. You're going to be able to slide from the first floor. For adults too? Correct. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's cool. Well, JC, and thank you for your time today. And uh, I tell you, the takeaway for our, our listening audience out there is what a tremendous effort it is when you put that blueberry package in the buggy. There's a tremendous industry behind that with a lot of detail, a lot of care. And uh, your company is a leader out there that's doing it right. And we appreciate what you do, what your growers do. In this time of scarcity that we see in the stores, we appreciate you supplying it every day. I know it probably don't get a lot of thanks in your world, but we appreciate what you do and um, let all your growers know we appreciate. And we uh, hope our listening audience can take away today. Uh, wow, this is uh, this is more than just putting a little package in my buggy. There's a complete industry behind that little package. And we're only talking about your side. There's other industries involved. So, JC, thank you again for your time and sharing the whole concept of how this berry gets to the store well we appreciate the opportunity to uh to join the show and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing how to cheering this to the consumers and kind of helping them understand where, the, where their food's coming from jc this is justin before we go where can uh, consumers go to find out more information about wish farms you guys have a website they can go to yeah obviously we have uh, wishfarms.com is our website go there it tells the story a lot about our brand we've got the new eat berries feel good make a difference that's kind of our new mission that we recently launched so go to wishfarms.com and uh, we welcome for consumers to go on and give us feedback whether it's good or bad we can also learn from what they're seeing and the consumer can do all that right there on your website right do the reply to traceability and, and everything right there right absolutely and we encourage that fantastic jc thanks so much for joining us today uh very insightful i think consumers around the world can gain a lot of insights from this and, and really feel good about about buying berries uh from wish farms thanks so much for joining us today we wish you guys uh, the best of luck we know you're in season right now so uh please pass along uh our hellos to your growers and we appreciate you Folks, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, if you're you're going to the grocery store, uh, go by the produce aisle. Support the local farmers uh, wherever you are in the world. You know, they need your help. They're working hard every day and night to feed the world. And it's our part to go out there, support them, to make sure that we have a sustainable food supply and to support these guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you uh, enjoyed the show. And until next time, God bless. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast has been a presentation of Has Media, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Highland Ag Solutions and catch the video presentation of this podcast on our YouTube channel. 